You're listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast with your host, Jonathan Robinson-Lees. Thanks for joining us for the latest episode of the Passion and Perspective podcast. Today we chat with professional rock climber Angie Scarth-Johnson. Honing her craft for over a decade all around the world, the spark for Angie remains the same as she first experienced at a climbing gym at age seven. Angie's determination for personal improvement recently reaped reward as late last year she became the first Australian woman to complete a grade 35 9A climb. And despite missing Olympic qualification for the Tokyo Games, Angie maintains a balanced perspective on life. Please enjoy the latest episode of the Passion and Perspective podcast. Angie, welcome to the Passion and Perspective podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me here. Angie, last year at age 17, you became the first Australian woman to climb a grade 35 in a climb in Spain. Can you describe to us the feeling when you conquered that climb? Well, I remember the last moments that I was just about reaching the top of the cliff. And it's this massive, uh, like, 30-metre cave. And it's quite amazing when you come over the top because you've just climbed all this line and, and I guess the feeling of, of coming over that, that the top of the cliff and clipping the last chains kind of felt like I had released all this sort of pressure that I had placed on myself to send this, this climb. And it just kind of felt unreal, like it wasn't, it wasn't a real thing. I didn't, when I first started climbing this route this day, I didn't in my head think whatsoever that it was going to be something I'd do this day because I, you know, I wasn't kind of, I wasn't super focused and it was just kind of like really chill day um, and I wasn't expecting it at all. And then obviously to have that happen um, was a big surprise and, and a, an amazing one as well. And why, why that climb, Angie? What drew you to that climb specifically? I had tried this climb a year back, just once. And I really liked the style of it. Um, and I think the, the way that it challenged me, in, in fact, when I first tried it, I was very uncomfortable on it. I'm not sure why. It felt just kind of a bit, um, the moves I was a bit intimidated by because they weren't, um, it was my style of climbing, but it was, you know, a bit weird. The, the route kind of went up this a strange sort of pattern of holds and I needed to get used to it. Um, but I kind of liked that challenge of like not feeling 100% on it. It kind of like made me want to see how far I could go on it. And I had this goal to do the 9A for a, a number of years. And I kind of felt, you know, after I had tried another one and I tried this one, I kind of was like, yeah, I feel like this is the one that I want to try and do. I don't know. I think I liked just how it challenged me mentally. Like it wasn't, it wasn't perfect, but it, I felt like I could progress on it. And so I liked that challenge as well. Is that what lures you in to climbing? Is that why you love it? It's the challenge of it's you against the wall, but it's also that internal battle to try and overcome things and push yourself further and further. Is, is that what you love about it? Yeah, I love that. I love that it's a, it's a battle against yourself, actually. Um, I've never really been into like team sports or uh, really competing actually either. I haven't really 
I don't feel that same drive as, as I do competing against myself in a weird way. I love rock climbing because it's like personal challenges. You know, no one else, it's, you're not against anyone else except yourself and the rock. And I think that's very special because you, I don't think you find that in any other sport to the same degree. And I think um, that's what I love about climbing is it's so unique. It's like you're given this puzzle to solve and you, you don't know how long it's going to take you. You don't know if you'll even do it. But it's that, that uncertainty that kind of makes you want more and more of it. Because when you do achieve it, it kind of feels like, wow, what, what else can I achieve? And how, how else can I push myself? And I love that it's that personal battle always. And, yeah, I find that really addictive. And I just love the whole sort of uh, process of it, really. You mentioned the day you conquered that climb that it was quite a chill day, but, you know, there was a little bit of, yeah. I guess, being uncomfortable as well. What, what yeah, do you do physically and mentally to prepare yourself for your climbs? Every climb is different. I've never had the same experience with one single climb. It's always a separate battle. And I, I was on this route. So there's, the time that I was in it, on it, was, was one season. So that each season usually lasts for like, two or three months depending on obviously because it's an outdoor sport it really depends on how the weather's going that year um, and with climate change that's really unpredictable these days so um, I had already spent the fault the past season on it and so I was getting quite um, tired of it like mentally I had never really spent so long on a, on a climb before and to spend that long that's really like going every day uh, every day of the week up walking up hiking up setting up going up the route working the moves trying it falling again and again and again for months sometimes and that's really mentally draining I'm sure you can imagine um and so yeah you definitely need your own sort of way to deal with that and every climber has their own sort of procedure that they follow to deal with that and I've worked, I've recently started like writing in a in a little book like how I feel about it like just completely raw my thoughts of how I feel about the route just like sometimes I even write on the paper how much I hate it and how much I just want to do it and stuff like this and um, I think that really helped me to get kind of my feelings out and to kind of see where I'm failing because sometimes I, I find that I'm actually mentally failing like I physically know I have the strength to do it to achieve a thing such thing but it's like mentally I'm holding myself back so I kind of felt like if I write down what I'm thinking maybe I can process that a bit better um, and so that was for this 9a that I did but for other routes I've used different tactics I guess you kind of when you really want to do something you try everything really to, to see how you can get it done so I guess that's how I did it this time you know just writing my thoughts down meditating that's kind of worked for me it was such a groundbreaking moment for you, Angie, but also for the sport and Australian athletes. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a bit of a pioneer, a bit of a trailblazer, especially for young female athletes? Yeah, well, I think um, Australia's come so far with climbing. Um, we're still quite behind just on like resources and stuff like that. Obviously, Europe is a much bigger country, and so they're... Um, Climbing, climbing in Europe has moved and, and in the States has moved really fast, especially with the amount of people that do it. But in Australia, it's quite, um, quite a lot slower. Um, and I think it's kind of 
you know, I see a lot of strong women coming out of Australia and I just think that's amazing because, um, you know, that's what's helping us push forward. And it's nice to see women come out of, come, you know, to be the ones pushing it forward in Australia. The Recently, uh, another girl went to the Olympics and she's really pushed it in our, in our um, climbing in Australia. And also Tom, another guy that uh, climbs in the mountain, lives in the mountains. Um, and I just think to see these people pushing it for Australia and myself, I think it's really great because I, you know, you feel like you're giving something back and I think you should always give something back to, to your sport in as many ways possible. Um, and yeah, so I, would, I hope that what I'm doing some way inspires someone in Australia. And the ability to turn your passion of climbing into a profession, what has that meant for you just to be able to commit yourself to your craft? It's a privilege, I think, like to be able to do that, um, to be able to, to be able to use climbing as like also my job in a way, because that means obviously I can spend all day doing it full time. And that's really what I, I wanted to do as, as a little girl growing up. That's kind of what I dreamed of is to be a professional climber. And so to have that now, um, it's really amazing because I couldn't see myself doing anything else, to be honest. Um, and I'm really passionate about it. And, um, and so I think that, yeah, it was amazing. As we know, last year was the Olympics. And as you referenced, you had uh, one male and one female athlete head over to Tokyo. For you, narrowly missing out yeah. on, on this Olympics, how do you overcome that? How do you stay motivated for you know, yeah. the next Olympics coming up? Climb, competition climbing was never really my thing. It was something I, you know, climbing, the first time climbing was ever in the Olympics, of course, it was something I was thinking of trying to go to um, because, I mean, that's just incredible. First time for my sport in the Olympics. Uh, I couldn't miss the opportunity. So um, I thought, why not? I'd give that a go. And if not, I just head back outside and see what I can do there. And that's really where my passion lies. So um, competing, try, there was quite a few setbacks with that. I think that the setbacks that came with it actually demotivated me more than actually not making it to the Olympics. Um, that was obviously during, during COVID. And um, that was really hard to overcome because we, you kept training and a lot of the other athletes suffered the same. You know, you, you kept training and then they'd say we have to postpone and then you train again and, and they say we have to postpone. And that's very difficult because when you plan out your training, you plan to peak at, at a certain moment. And when that kind of, when they postpone it again and again, it's like you're peaking and then you're going down and you're peaking and it's really exhausting for your body. And so that was really more dismotivating than, um, and then, yeah, they're not making it to the Olympics. And I was just happy to see two Australians go, to be honest, and, um, you know, just give it their all. And that was incredible to, to watch anyway. Whether it was me or someone else, it would have been, you know, just as happy. I mean, it's an amazing opportunity for climbing and for Australia and climbing, yeah, as well. And as a professional climber, Angie, it's, it's quite a nomadic lifestyle. You're, you're travelling all around the world. But yes, at the same time, sure. you do end up isolated from family and friends. How, how do you handle that isolation and, you know, often being quite away from home? I've been travelling around the world since I was probably nine years old, ten years old, um, like nonstop. And, and so that I think um, I, I learned so much from that. But, of course, you always 
especially as a younger child, you miss your family a lot. Um, and so that was, that was always difficult, but I always kind of um, came back, you know, like back and forth one month here and then one month in Australia. And so I kind of learned how to like deal with it. And um, eventually I could deal with it for longer periods of time. And um, now I can stay a longer period of time and head home and see my family. But I really enjoyed it and, and I still do really enjoy it, you know, traveling. Now when I'm actually stationed, I feel like nervous, like I should be traveling or something. Um, and so, yeah, it's quite, it was quite chaotic. Like my younger years were quite chaotic, but I actually then after a while couldn't not live like that. Like it felt so addictive as well to just travel around and, um, you know, see new places. And, and so that family sort of part, kind of took you know like became more relaxed as I could relax into sort of that moving around lifestyle. And Angie you were born in Canberra and moved to the Blue Mountains at age eight what was your childhood like mm-hmm. in those early years before the travel? Quite normal actually normal I don't know like um, you know before I started climbing seriously you know I just I went to school and uh, weekend sport and you know just the normal sort of thing there and um and then when I found climbing and I started traveling and um really looking into that more that's when it kind of became you know quite quite different um but yeah before then I was it was just at school and and doing the best I could in school and yeah before I found climbing and traveling around the world how were you able to balance education the travel and the climbing because it is quite a formative time for anyone growing up did you find you had a good balance between those things the minute that I think my parents noticed that it wasn't working out like with the traveling and and um, school they pulled me out and um, we started homeschooling um, and so I had I had on it I was actually on and off homeschooling and in school and homeschooling and yeah I, I kind of really enjoyed um, being homeschooled because it allowed me to do more climbing. I was homeschooled for most of my primary and then, um, no, sorry, from grade four up, most of that. And then I went back to school in grade seven because I think my parents wanted to like give me a chance to see if that's something I wanted to do. You know, I was starting high school and I think they wanted to give me the opportunity to see how that went back at school. And and then I kind of, because I had been homeschooled for a while, I kind of felt like, um, like weird at school. And I was like, no, nah, I think I prefer to like be homeschooled, do my own thing. And by that stage, I was like totally into climbing and motivated and I had my own goals. You know, I was really starting to progress a lot in my climbing. And so that was my main focus. And um, I kind of needed school to be something that I could do whenever I could do it I couldn't do six hours I needed to do break it up you know three in the morning three in the afternoon so I could fit my my climbing in um and so my parents were amazing and took me out and my mum actually was a teacher so she did all my schooling and um and then we'd report back the schoolwork every six months to a school and they'd kind of assess it and send me books and whatever I needed but yeah, after a while, it kind of, I, I eventually preferred it because it was, um, it was, you know, what I was used to and it allowed me to do what I really wanted to do. 
This is the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media. You first climbed at a gym in Canberra at the age of seven. And as you've referred to, climbing has been a large part of your life ever since that point. What was that feeling the first time you attended that gym and and you you were climbing the walls there? Yeah, I remember I was uh, there with my, my dad. And um, the first time I ever went into this gym and I would climb on the, the easy, the easy climb. And I just, I think I, that feeling of getting to the top is the same feeling I get now when I get to the top of, of a climb outside. Um, it just kind of meant a lot more to me than like the kids playing around, you know, around the place next to me. It was kind of like a serious game for me. And I actually didn't know that climbing was a sport, to be honest. Like, I, you know, I was quite young and I didn't think of it like that. Like, I never heard anything of climbing. I just thought it was something you go and do for fun. I didn't realise it was a real sport. And, it, and really, it wasn't massive in Australia when I first started. I mean, it's so much bigger now. Like, there's climbing gyms everywhere in Australia now. It just wasn't like that before. Um, and that feeling of finding climbing, I think the minute I found it, I knew that was what I wanted to do. And I remember I was I was doing swimming because my sister was swimming. And my mum asked me, you have to choose one because they were both kind of like getting in the way and each other and um, with school. And, and she asked what I wanted to do. And I was like, without doubt, climbing is you know, was, I just love that. I don't know why. I just, I always liked the challenge of getting to the top. That's just like, that was really cool for me as a young kid. And how did the progression occur to then go to yeah. outdoor climbing? Yeah, well, after that, I joined a squad and I actually quickly grew to a higher level than the squad I was in. And so I would go into an older squad and then I grew out of that and I'd go into the eldest squad that there was. And I grew out of that as well. And so I was kind of progressing really fast out of these squads. And then I thought, okay, well, I'll just climb on my own then. Um, And so I would climb uh, around the gym on my own. I would, at this point, I was taking it really seriously. I I still hadn't heard anything about outdoor climbing, but it was still a challenge, you know, because there were problems on the wall and I still saw it as as this challenge. And then I met um, a group of older people um and they were bouldering upstairs in this little gym and and I went upstairs and I sort of I was kind of like you know wanted to show off a bit and I remember I like got on the wall next to them and I climbed things around them and I could tell they were like really into climbing and so I was obviously very interested in that but I was quite young and 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 I remember after a while I kept sort of watching them and following what they were doing and climb upstairs. And I think after a while they kind of took me in and started asking questions and climbing with me and training with me. And so I found this group of older people who were ended up being like, you know, my idols because they were like really into climbing and that's what I wanted to do. You know, I'd ask them all these questions about climbing. And one day they said to my dad that they can take us out to the rock and show me how to climb on rocks and I had no idea what to expect like I didn't I didn't know this thing existed and and I was super excited for it and so I remember we packed a big lunch because we 
you know, we were like city people. We didn't know, like, walking into the bush and, um, you know, we didn't know how long we'd be there for. And it was, you know, we packed a big lunch. We packed picnic blankets and all these things and we got to the rock and, and I just fell in love with it completely. I was not scared. I just knew it was something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, and that's kind of how it, I started from the gym, you know, after I found those people or friends and they're all still my friends. So that's kind of cool as well. Those people, <laughs> a lot older than me, but still my friends. <laughs> I spoke with a few climbers on the podcast, Angie, Tom O'Halloran, Jared Anderson as a photographer, Josh McKenzie, mm-hmm. and each of them speak really highly of that community that rock climbing yeah. provides. As you mentioned there, but also yeah. throughout your career, how important has that supportive community been to you? Yeah, well, climbing is all about community. You know, the fact that climbers put out bolts on the rock for other people to climb and, you know, we all look after each other, you know, on the rock because it's kind of, it's not like an official thing. Rock climbing is, it's not like someone's there with a card marking you off like in a competition. It's very community-based, like, you know, everything in outdoor climbing is community-based. So that's very important, I think, for me to always give back to the community and climbing, have always find ways to give back. Um, and, yeah, well, outdoor climbing wouldn't exist because if everyone kept all their climbs to themselves, there'd be nothing to climb. So community is very important in climbing. You spoke about your, your parents being really supportive, both of your education and climbing, and your dad mm-hmm. was there for that first outdoor climb. What role have your parents played in you pursuing your passion Mm, like massive the biggest role (laughs) yeah no they they're the whole reason I do it still like um they gave me every opportunity to do what I love and never held me back um always kept you know when I doubted myself always got me back up always like my parents are the least selfish people I I've ever met you know, like always give me whatever I needed to get to that next stage. And so I would not be here whatsoever without them. Um, I, you know, I probably wouldn't have even gone back into that gym a second time had they not taken on, seen how much I loved it and brought me back every time and put me into these scores and took me overseas so many times so that I could continue to achieve. And I owe everything that I have achieved to them. And did you feel over those years, was there any, pressure I guess to to meet a certain level given that they'd done so much for you and sacrificed so much did you feel pressure to achieve yeah from myself like all the pressure I received was from myself because I took it so seriously from such a young age my parents um never put that pressure on me it was always they would always bring me to what I you know take me to where I needed to be from that to reach that next stage in my climbing um, and if I couldn't achieve, they would help me to find out why not and how I can improve myself. Anything I ever needed, like uh, coaching help, they'd always try and find a way, you know. Um, they, I've never received pressure from them. I think all the pressure I've ever received was from myself because I love that feeling of competing against my own strength. Um, and so... No, they were just always there for me and um, I was probably pushing myself way too hard. <laughs> Angie, you said to me before our chat that one of your favourite parts of climbing is the problem-solving 
that every move has a solution. Why is it that you, you love the problem solving nature of rock climbing? I think it's, it's, I like it so much because it's like, it's like you can be there for hours every day and you don't know if there's actually a way through it. And that sort of feeling of the unknown is really like suspenseful. And then when you achieve it or you find that missing link in the puzzle, it might be one simple movement, one extra hold to the left or one foot up. And that just changes the whole game. And that's like the key to your puzzle. And you can just then send it. And that is, I think, I don't know. I find that just really interesting and um, really fun. Um, and I think I enjoy spending the time on the rock and it's really relaxing for me to sit there and look around and yeah I don't know I've always liked that sort of uh, looking up on the wall and you know thinking about the possibilities and and I love that it's always different it's never the same and there's always a different solution. And can you describe to us the feeling when you're on the wall you might be 100 meters up and you, you're at a really challenging part. Do you have, a, is there an element of flow? Are you in the zone? Yes, totally. All the time. There's, it's never, for me, it's never when you first get on the wall. You're not in the zone until you're, you know, there's just a moment where you just click and you're in the zone, but you don't know that you're in the zone until you come out of the zone. Um, when I first get on the wall, I'm usually very distracted. You know, I'm nervous um, and I'm thinking a lot probably rehearsing the moves in my head um, and and I'm not in the zone until that all goes away you know it's just me in the rock I'm not nervous I'm not thinking the moves are just coming through body memory and that's what I would probably call the zone <laughs> you know just like when you don't you're not you're not even conscious of what you're doing it's just happening because you've rehearsed it so many times or just because you feel so confident in yourself that it's just happening for you um, and I feel that, I feel that all the time, I think, climbing, that's really nice, you know, really nice feeling when you can get into that. It's like a med form of meditation almost because nothing is on your mind whatsoever. And it doesn't have to happen with a hard climb. Like it can happen with a super easy climb that you're just, you know, enjoying what you're doing in zone, you're not thinking. Um, and then, of course, it can happen when you're trying your hardest. And I think that's kind of cool that it can happen in both moments. You know, you don't have to be pulling super hard. And the nerves you referred to there, what are you most nervous about, Angie? Is it your personal safety? Is it, I guess, the fear of failure? Is there something specific that you're nervous about? No, I'm never nervous about my, my safety. If, if I was, I wouldn't be going up there. Um, no, I, I'm nervous about, I think when you, it depends. If, you, if, you, if you're on a climb that you've rehearsed so many times and you're kind of really close to doing it, but it's just not, some, you're missing something it could be uh, strength that you're missing or uh, the mental ability to do it but I think that nervousness of when you're so close but you're not sure if it's going to go this goal or the next goal or tomorrow or the next day and that feeling is kind of like um, yeah it's almost like stage fright feeling like you know you're nervous for yourself because you're not you're not sure if you have what it takes to do it climbers get that a lot especially when you're super close to doing it it's like a, a feeling, it's hard, to, it's hard to describe. It's like you don't want to disappoint yourself because you know you can do it, but it's just, just that little bit far away still. 
do you feel pressure when there's a crowd around, when there's photographers, film crews, magazine yeah. sponsors? Does that add to the pressure for you? I've never felt, I mean, to be honest, if I feel pressure from a photographer, I probably would just say, look, it's like I'm nervous because I, I'm not sure how I feel right now with this climb. I'm close and I don't know what's wrong with me. I just, you know, I just say the truth. I think that's the best thing you can do as an athlete because um, you can't perform your best if you aren't feeling good with your surroundings. Um, and so with photographers, if, if I don't feel like it, I will just say something. But most of the time, it's totally fine because you're in the zone and you're not thinking about what's going on around you. And with sponsors, I've had sponsors from a very young age and I never sort of had felt that pressure. Like, you know, just, just about climbing. It's always about climbing. I think as long as you always bring it back to why you love climbing, nothing around you sort of, you, even if there was pressure, you wouldn't feel it because it's like it's just you and, and your passion. And I've never received any sort of pressure from my sponsorship, so I'm really quite lucky with that as well. How do you go about yeah. soaking up the amazing views, Angie? Because we know the Blue mm. Mountains is picturesque and spectacular, but your climbing's taken yeah. you all around the world. Are you able, when you're up on a climb, to pause and really soak up the amazing scenery? Yeah, I always I love doing that, especially you know when you're coming down on the rope um, and you can look around. And I've seen some amazing places. Um, I'm really grateful to have been able to see these amazing views around the world um and everywhere it looks different so it's quite nice to like sit on the rope and look around and I, i'm often doing that especially when i'm working out a climb and i might be on the rope for you know 20 minutes and i'll just take a second to like relax look around and so yeah it's quite nice to have that just behind you as you climb Angie, we've seen climbing really move into the mainstream the past few years with you know, mm -hmm. movies, documentaries made. It's been now an Olympic sport. What does that mean to you to see the sport that you've, I guess, given so much time to finally making it out to the mainstream? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It just means um, that all of us climbers have more opportunity sort of thing. Like, um, you know, climbing is getting bigger which means that uh professional athletes can exist just you know you can exist as a professional just off your of climbing um and that hasn't always been possible because climbing hasn't been big enough to to do that all this media coming in and the olympics i think it's such a positive thing for climbing um because now we're recognized as a real sport and um and that has a lot of benefits as far as yeah like i said being professional allowing other climbers to pursue their dreams full time without having to um, worry about anything else because it really is at the end of the day a job like you know it's obviously you love doing it but it's also um a lot of work like you've got to diet right you've got to keep in check with your mental health all the time and making sure you're always um ready for the season for the competition season maybe and so it's a lot of work. And so I think it's great now that people are able to do that professionally um, and also get climbing out there and sharing it with more people because it's such an incredible sport. At the same time, has there been much resistance from within the sport? Because for a lot of people, it's quite a sacred thing. It's quite a niche thing that, like a lot of things, people almost want to protect that. Has there been a bit of pushback in terms of it becoming mainstream? 
obviously everyone feels differently about climbing the Korean mainstream. Um, I think it was going to always happen because um, population is growing and people are finding it and uh, it's a really amazing sport and a lot of people, you know, there's a lot to like about it. So it was always going to happen. I mean, um, but obviously everyone has their own opinion on it. I think as far as indoor climbing, it's amazing. You know, for these competition climbers, they are now able to have more competition, um, more competitions as well around the world. Um, and I think that's great. I think as long as uh, climbing, outdoor climbing stays, you know, people continue to respect the environment um, and look after every, you know, the forest because we are going out into the bush and, you know, using the rocks and, and that is in the, you know, in nature. And, and so as long as that's sort of continued to be respected, which is very important, um, I think it's an amazing thing that's happened to climbing. With the success and the growth, Angie, obviously comes a lot more recognition and fame for, for athletes like yourself. How do you manage the balance between Angie the climber and mm -hmm. Angie the person? Well, it's the same person. <laughs> yeah, I think um, this is like really I've grown up like with this, you know, media stuff and articles I've written since I was, you know, obviously with my mum, but now not anymore, like since I was nine years old. Um, and so it's always kind of been a part of my life. Um, and I used to use things like writing articles as my schoolwork because that's like, you know, really what it was like. I just, um, I've always grown up with that stuff. So it's not um, adding pressure or anything like that. I really have found a nice balance where I can manage that and also concentrate on climbing. And I think that's important as if you want to be uh, a, an athlete of any kind. Um, you've got to be able to, if you want to be mainstream, obviously, to be able to, to balance both because you wouldn't, you know, if that's something that stresses you out, it's probably not worth it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I actually enjoy it a lot. I like sharing what I'm doing and um, I, I have gotten really into it. You know, I like telling my stories and I like inspiring others. So I think it's great. You know, I, I would say the Angie that does media and, Angie that concentrates on climbing is the same thing you know you find you meet people of I met so many people of Instagram that have sent me messages saying that I inspire them or that I've taught them things and I think that's incredible I think it's a it's a great balance and I have a, a good balance with it so I yeah I really enjoy it actually. And is there a correlation Angie between your performance on the wall when you're climbing and your day-to-day -day life if, if you're on a roll and you're you're sending some really big climbs does that correlate to day-to-day -to -day life? Well, because climbing is, is what I do all the time. Of course, that, that then makes me happy outside of climbing. You know, when I come home, I'm really happy about it. Yeah. And then um, but the funny thing with climbing, actually, is, is when you get to the top and you achieve, you send your project, it's, like a, it's almost like 20 minutes of celebration and then it's like, back on you know like and then you're like what's next sort of thing um and that's quite funny actually is as soon as I sent that 9a I was like looking in the book in the guide book looking at the rock thinking what's next what what am I wanting to do now because it's kind of like you spend you dedicate months to one thing and then all of a sudden it doesn't exist you finished it um and then you're like wow okay what do I do now with myself and then you go seeking for more because you know 
find that so addictive and you want to do it again and again. This is the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media. And how do you define success in your own mind, Angie? Is it mm. sending a climb? Is it winning a competition? Is there a measure that you yeah. place on your, yourself internally around what success yeah. looks like? Yeah, well, I mean, yes, and uh, finishing a climb, winning a competition, that all looks, that's all, I guess you could say, success. And I, yeah, I would say that. Um, also, probably being really happy and um, loving what you're doing is success as well. Um, but yeah, I think climbing also has so many steps in between um, from, from achieving that climb and when you start that there's so many little successes because, like I said, you find puzzle pieces of that climb um, and that could be a little success of that day, you know. Um, and so I think that's kind of cool because, like, you might be on a, on a climb for two weeks or something, you, you don't know how long, but when you find those little puzzles in between every day, that's like a boost to keep on going. And so, yeah, you have little successes throughout climbing, I think, which is really really cool and the same when you're indoor climbing you know you might stick a boulder and that's like a little success um, and I like that in climbing that you know you've got the big outcome the big goal but then you also have a little stages in between that bring you to that big goal that give you that nice feeling as well. <laughs> as we mentioned Angie the sport has taken you to all corners of the globe with some incredible sights that you've seen what has the travel and being immersed in the environment, what has that taught you as a person? Well, I've seen many different countries, been in many different cultures, and um, I think from what everything I've seen and all the places I've been to, I think I'm just like, you know, learned to be super grateful for what I have. Um, to be able to come into these environments and then go out and, and see different um, cultures, and that's, I think, really cool, and I've kind of grown up around the world, so that's, that was a privilege, I think, because uh, there's not many people that have had the opportunity to do that. Um, and yeah, I yeah, I think I've learned to be grateful for what for what you have, because sometimes um, not everyone has the same, or you know, and also to look after the environment, because I've been to some pretty bad places as far as like seeing some pretty bad things with the environment you know like rubbish on the ocean or at the rock and um yeah i think i, I had a i had a trip not too long ago to tonga um where my dad is from and the entire island we we went down and i, I was doing this ball team project and we went down this edge of a cliff and um it was on the beach and it was on this beach that no one had been on because we had walked so far down into the bush and this beach just was covered in plastic um and this was a beach that no one's been on so this is all plastic from around the world that's traveled you know you pick up a can and it's in japanese or chinese and this is tonga you know in the middle of the pacific ocean um this rubbish from all around the world that's just been dumped on this island um, and it's, you know, it was quite sad to see because it's like, you know, all of what you don't see living in, in 
in a place like Australia, you know, we are so lucky to live in Australia, to have what we have in Australia. Um, and when you look at a more of a poor country like Tonga, you kind of are exposed to what you don't see in Australia because it's kind of hidden from you. Um, but climbing's kind of brought me to places that um, that stuff is exposed because, you know, sometimes, you know, the rocks don't decide where to be. You know, they're all around the world. And sometimes it takes you to exotic places and that sometimes allows you to see um, some things that you're kind of thinking, you know, wow, like you don't see this in a, in, a, in a big country like Australia or in Europe. You kind of, this is all dumped on the sides where we can't see it. Um, and that was, you know, that's something I've learned as well, um, that we definitely don't know how bad it really is out there. That's just to keep in mind, I think. Is there something outside of climbing that you want to use your profile to make a change, Angie? Is there, you know, environmental awareness, climate change action? Is there something that you're passionate about that you feel you can help influence and help make a difference? I think climate change is, I'm very passionate. I've always been, I mean, how can you not be? I mean, like, it affects all of us in every single way. Um, and I think it's... It's really important to like wake up to it because it's like it's coming. And like I said, being on these places like being to places like Tonga, you're expo- exposed to these things. Um, and you didn't when you didn't think it was even that bad, and then one day you just you're like, wow, okay, we're not seeing these things because we're living in Australia or, you know, in, in more of a richer country. These other countries are sort of suffering from our rubbish. I think that's quite. Um, devastating to see and so I think that's as as someone who's seen it it's my job to kind of you know expose it and say you know this is what's going on this is disgusting you know (laughs) like all our rubbish covering these people's beaches and you know they're not it's not their rubbish I mean they live on an island you know they eat off the island um and and so that's very sad to see and I see many things like this with climate change and I mean obviously that's not climate change but that's you know coming from us and we're causing these things it's a lot of things are changing you know even simple things like i said before like seeing the the seasons in climbing change like now it's so hot in spain right now like i'm climbing in singlet and shorts and i should be in like double pants and two jackets like it's just crazy i mean i think everyone can see it and i think it's I think it's um, everyone's responsibility to kind of expose it whenever you can because people need to hear about it and see it. Angie, it's been an incredible journey for you, an incredible life to this point. Do you take the time to pause and reflect on your journey? Yeah, uh, all the time, all the time. It, It happened really fast. I mean, I can still remember like little me climbing um everything moves really fast so i think it's yeah it's important to like stop and be like wow i've come so far and i've achieved this much and yeah i'm really grateful for everything i have um yeah i think it's pretty amazing when you uh take a minute to to reflect on everything you've been through everything you've achieved and um kind of motivates you to keep doing it andrew do you believe in life that we find ourselves or that we create ourselves as people in the sense of do you think the path is just laid out for each of us and we just live it or that every decision we make every day shapes where we end up I think every decision you make 
shapes where you will be. I don't think anyone's path is made for them already. I think you create your life and you decide what you want to be and you can do whatever you want and and how, depending on how hard you work towards it will be your outcome, I guess. Um, I never would have pictured this being my life, but I worked hard and, and this has come out of it, I guess. And um, yeah, no, I don't think anyone's life is laid out for them. I think everyone has the opportunity to to be what they want to be and do do what they want to do. And what advice would you have for someone who wants to pursue their passion? What What's something they should do or, or commit to just to kind of head in the right direction? Because for a lot of people, getting started's the hardest thing. Um, well, I think knowing why you want it, you know, why do you like it? Why do you love it? What about it motivates you? That, that alone gives you your answer, really. Um, you know, it might be a different thing for you um, than it is for me. And no one can tell you what will motivate you to do something. You have to know for yourself. I think once you know for yourself, once you have that in mind, it's very easy to just lay out your plan and go for it um, and do everything you can to achieve it. Um, there's, you can always overcome everything. So I think there's no excuses. You know, just have to go for it. Um, and if you can't manage something, you find another way to do it. You always find a way. I think that's very important. Is, um, there's always another way to do things and you always got to, challenge yourself to find that way to to do it um and to never give up and and when you think about giving up just remember why you started and you should have that clean path Angie, your career continues to go from strength to strength what's next what does 2022 have in store for you i'm excited to see um i i hope to achieve another 9a um, because I don't know, I just feel like you <laughs> you have to do two. I have to do two. Um, I actually I actually want to do two this year. I want to do two nine A's um, before I move on to maybe trying a nine A plus. I like to see where the year takes me. You know, like I have this goal in mind, but I'll try the first one, and depending on how that goes, will you know help me plan the rest of my year. Um, but yeah, I, I think those are my two goals. You know, to do, I have two in mind that I, I want to go and try. And now I'll start training. Um, I'll head back to Australia. I'll start training, and I'll get to work on on those goals, and see where I end up. And what's the best way for people to follow your progress online, Angie? Um, well, through my Instagram, probably is the best. Yeah, just Angie Scuff Johnson is my best. Uh, you know, post everything almost every day on there. So, yeah, that's the best way to follow me. Angie, thank you so much for taking the time to share your incredible journey on the Passion and Perspective podcast. Wishing you all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast. The Passion and Perspective podcast is made in loving memory of Katie Margaret Lees, who truly lived with passion and perspective.